0: Our special guest speaker today, a personal friend, uh, he's an Okie, don't hold that against him, uh, but uh, known Tom most of, of my life, goes back way, way back, and uh, Tom Green has held several offices uh, in our national Uh, headquarters in Springfield Uh, he was the national youth director Uh, he was the national speed the light director that buys vehicles for missionaries he was the national men's director he was the national life for the loss director what I'm saying is he can't hold a job He has I, I was thinking about this. He has raised tens of millions of dollars directly and indirectly uh, over the years. God has given him such a heart for ministry uh, uh, for missions and, and and an anointing upon him to, uh, to to raise money for for missions to put it in the hands of people. I can't imagine the reward that he's going to have when he gets to heaven and uh, the multiplied millions of people that'll be there that will hug his neck and thank him because because he touched someone's life and they responded they gave God touched somebody else's heart and they went and uh, preached the gospel it's it's exciting to be a part aren't you glad to be a part of a church that's 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 we're, we're It's not about what's happening within these just these four walls, and we're excited about that. But aren't you glad that we have an outward focus, amen, a worldwide focus? Amen. Yeah, come on. Amen. Come on, Brother Tom. Come, take your liberty, and the Lord God bless you. Love you, man, and let's have a great time today.
1: Grandfather Mike Benson, that's absolutely incredible. You don't look old enough to have grandchildren. Uh, it 's amazing and then and then dawn that 's another story, I mean even younger, so it 's great to be with you and celebrate what god is doing i 've just got to make this statement today i 've shared this kind of across the country, and uh, i 'm not sure that they appreciate it when I say it. It is so good to be in what I consider to be the church that has the greatest and coolest name in america I mean that I, I get to be in a lot of churches. I, don't, they, I preach in different places all over the country. I was in Ohio a couple of weeks ago, Mississippi last week, and uh, different things along the way. And uh, it's always good to be in the grace place. That is a God-given name right there. And to experience what God is doing here. And then this concept of grandparenting, I am so excited about that. I think I can say this from personal uh, experience. Uh, you know, other than salvation and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, other than the fact that, that a pastor and the Holy Spirit convinced a lady, it really is till death do us part. And almost 46 years later, she thinks she's died many deaths because of it. But anyway, <laughs> but the third greatest experience, and I'm not sure <laughs> it's necessarily in that order, is that first time of an experience of grandparenting. And here we are celebrating that. And, Pastor, I don't know how, how you say this, but it's, it is investment. <laughs> my wife thinks she has to buy every article of clothing that every one of our grandchildren need. And uh, and it's usually things that they'll never get to wear because they'll outgrow it before they get to that on the rack. But that's all right. I just keep trying to do the best I can. And uh, But it's an exciting day when you discover that you're going to be a grandparent. It really is. My That first grandchild, my son placed her in my arms. I looked at little Claire Elizabeth, and all I could think about, I said, Andy, I apologize to you. He said, what, Dad? I said, Andy, I never felt this good about you. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, there's just, you just got to be honest about some things. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking in the faces, I can tell who the grandparents are in the room because you identify with what I'm talking about. And there, there are five human beings on this planet. They have discovered all they have to say is, I love you, Papa." and I become a human ATM. It's just incredible, but uh, God is so good. The 16th chapter of the book of Mark, would you go ahead and turn with me if you have a copy of God's Word or you're looking at your Bible app or anything else. When I saw the the Fire Bible presentation today, my mind went to, uh, I was in Lee's Summit, Missouri. This has been several years ago. I was there for the purpose of asking people to help us in providing the Fire Bibles. And that's one of the most exciting things that you can possibly be involved in. Uh, That that video is so up to date, I've been saying more than 9 million. Now it's more than 10 million. Fire Bibles have been distributed. It's the most widely distributed study Bible in the history of the church. It is a Pentecostal study Bible. But you know what? I want you to notice I I didn't say the most widely distributed Pentecostal study Bible. It's more widely distributed than any other study Bible. And you're a part of that and have been for years. Well, I was in Lee's Summit, Missouri. I made a huge mistake We were asking the folks that day, would you provide $10 to help provide a fire Bible? And the uh, faith promise card was to write down the number that God would speak to you. I thought I had this all taken care of. It was going to be a pretty healthy commitment on my part because I had surveyed my home. We had 27 Bibles between my wife and I. And so I already knew what my commitment was going to be. Well, I, I messed up. I kind of got to be a little bit of a smart aleck, reached into this pocket. I pulled out a piece of plastic, and I said, As a matter of fact, I have an app right here. And I looked down, and I, and I had 180 copies of God's Word. And I had to write it down, and my wife, well, anyway, that's another story. She's still with me. So, uh, but thank you for providing Fire Bibles, and not only Fire Bibles, but grandparenting a church locally. And what God's doing, we celebrate that. Well, you know what? We never stop. Pastors referred to us both being originally from Oklahoma. I served as district youth director there. I had a youth pastor walk up to me one time. Tom, when are you going to quit pressing us for speed the light? Seems like that's all you ever want to talk about. When are you going to quit doing that? I I had to come up with a quick answer. I said, all right, here's the answer. When I'm going to quit pressing you to be involved in missions and missions giving and challenging your students to do the same, Here's when it's going to happen. He said, what? I said, when you hear a trumpet sound and you see my feet leaving the ground, I'll never bother you again for missions. I turned around. I walked away. (laughs) It struck me. I think I just told him he's not going. (laughs) Did you hear that part? When you see my feet leaving the ground, I'll never bother you again. I turned around, I thought, I've got to go back and apologize, make this right. And so I turned around, but before I got to him, I thought, nah, if he's not giving missions, he probably isn't going. So anyway, it's a, now, aren't you glad I'm not God? Would you stand with me this morning? I like to put it this way. We not only have the responsibility of taking the good news out. But you know what? It's one of the greatest (laughs) get-tos. The most fun part of my personal finances is every check, every offering I give to missions. It's a lot better than anything else that we do. And so today we celebrate what Grace Place is doing and is going to do. The 14th verse of the 16th chapter of Mark, most in this room could quote at least that red ink portion of it. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. I want to stop right there for just a moment. My namesake happens to be a fellow named Thomas. When you hear the name Thomas, what comes to your mind? The man made one mistake. And he's known 2,000 years later. Guess what? He wasn't the only one that doubted. Jesus rebuked the 11. But But he got beyond the rebuke and gave this admonishment. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus, thank you. What a blessing it is to be gathered in your house today. Most of us in this room, we don't even know how many times we've heard a gospel message. Many of us in this room, Lord, we, we, we overlook the precious possession. When we read this love letter from heaven, let us never get past the precious moments with you. God, the things that we experience again and again, today we pause in behalf of those that have never had the first opportunity. Help us to hear from you so others can hear about you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It was the 10th day of January, four years ago. The reason I remember it is I happened to be in the state of Minnesota when this very significant occurrence came about. I've had the honor of going to Minnesota for the last 20 years in a row. I go one, two, or three weekends, depending on how it fits the calendar. I've been involved even in my old age of challenging students to give to Speed the Light, and it's been a fun experience. And that, uh, that district, uh, well, they, they, they gave $1.7 million to Speed the Light last year. The student ministries, well, that's not the only thing that goes on in Minnesota. It gets cold. You think it's cold today? I got to tell you something. You spend when you're scheduling services in Minnesota in January, that's just not smart. The coldest I've ever been, the highest banks of snow I've ever experienced, it was the 10th day of January in 2015. I was not there, but more than 50,000 people jammed what was the University of Minnesota football stadium. The uh, Minnesota Vikings had a building program going on themselves at the time, so they were in borrowed facilities, but they were excited. Why? Because on the 10th day of January, if you're still playing football, you're in the playoffs. When you're a Vikings fan, that doesn't happen very often. We cowboy fans know that feeling, but anyway, when we start talking about Minnesota, it's even less. They don't have the history that we have. They don't experience the no, no. The the harsh reality is things couldn't have been better. More than fifty thousand people gathered in a stadium. The temperature at game time was minus six degrees. Wind chill factor minus twenty five, and those people were there early. They stayed through all of it, and they almost. Well, this game was a very tight game. It was a defensive struggle. We're coming down to the final seconds. The score is 10 to 9 in favor of the Seattle Seahawks. The offense is doing their responsibility. They're moving the ball downfield. It's being handed off to Adrian Peterson time and time again. They get within field goal range. They're coming down to the final seconds. This is going to be a walk-off field goal. We know it's going to happen. Why is that? Because we've got a field goal kicker that has already kicked three field goals in this environment. This field goal kicker that we have has kicked more field goals than any other kicker in the NFL to date and they're lining up and prepared for this 27-yard field goal. I could be wrong, but I've got a feeling there were people in the stands that were already on their phones booking their airline tickets to go to North Carolina. They were excited to go to the second round the next week. They were committed to that fact. Their hotel rooms were being reserved. People were excited in their living rooms all across Minnesota and Viking fans across America. The team lines up the field goal kicker kicks. If you happen to be watching the game, which I wasn't, but I saw the replay later, if you happen to be watching the game, you know never saw the football because the camera was lined up on the goalpost. in golfing terms it would be a snap hook to the left pastor knows nothing about that but i can tell you this in football it meant 10 to 9 in favor of the seattle seahawks and we're going nowhere beyond this stadium i have a really good friend a youth pastor who was there that day He loves to describe it. He said, Tom, it was like the cold air of the stadium. We didn't care, but you know what? When that field goal missed, it got colder than ever. The air left the building. It was stunned silence. It may have not been verbally expressed, but I've got a feeling, if not the crowd in the stadium, certainly those that were watching on television and those football players that were on the sideline as well as the ones that lined up, there was one thing that came to their mind immediately. It's kind of a modern-day term concerning, concerning field goal kickers. Have you ever heard the statement, he had one job? I mean, when you're the field goal kicker, you don't need a playbook. When you're the field goal kicker, you don't run the steps of a stadium. When you're the field goal kicker, you spend very little time in a weight room. When you're a field goal, your one job is to kick a football. You kick it three and four and five hours a day, one after another. It's like uh, doing, well, you can do this in your sleep. Nobody cared that he had kicked, that he was the only one that had scored to that point. He had one job, and he failed. Pardon that football analogy, but where can it go better than right here in Texas? Are you serious? The football analogy today is very, very simple. Jesus gathered his team of 11 around. I'm not comparing Jesus and these boys to a, a football team, but, but uh, well, well, Tom, I'm sorry. I thought there were 12 disciples. Well, remember, one didn't make it to this point. Jesus gathered his team of 11, and he gave to them a responsibility that we could easily describe in 2019 vocabulary. He had, there's, there's one, fellas, you have one job. Here's your mission. Here's your pep talk. Here's the responsibility that you have when you step onto the field of life from this table. You have one job. And that one job is to go into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature it's the one responsibility of the church it's why we begin the ministries that we begin it's why we build every building that we build it's why we give in every offering that we can give in it's why we send our young people around the globe it's why we invest in those that are willing to go why because the church today we share that one job responsibility some 2000 years later to go into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature the team is lined up the responsibility ability is there. The game has never been more in our hands to win than it is today. I'm not besmirching those that have gone before us, but I will remind you of of a fact that it grieves my heart to say it. This one job that Jesus gave us some 2,000 years ago, we to this point have not been completely successful in the fact. Pastor mentioned we're a part of a movement known as the Assemblies of God. We're a part of a world missions movement that started in 1914, 105 years ago. And no, you may have listened to my resume, but I am I was not there. There were 300 people that gathered in a rented opera house in Hot Springs, Arkansas. My wife started searching our family tree several years ago. I didn't want her to do that. I was afraid of what she would discover. I knew on the green side of the family, it seemed like everybody, all my extended uncles were, they were either preachers or prisoners. One was both. That's a story to itself. She began discovering on my mother's side of the family, two of the people in that original picture standing there holding a little two-year-old toddler. Well, the two people standing happened to be my great-grandparents. The two-year-old toddler would become my grandmother. And on the other side of the picture was a great uncle of mine by the name of Forrest Barker who spent his life in Peru as one of the first Assemblies of God missionaries sent out. Those 300 people had a 10-day prayer meeting. At the end of that meeting, they believed that God was doing something beyond. Their purpose was not to start a denomination. That was the last thing they wanted to do. Most of them had been kicked out of theirs. But they knew that there was a responsibility that came with the Acts, the book of Acts experience that they had personally experienced. They had received the power of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. They had committed themselves to a life of pursuing the plan of God, understanding that there's a purpose to that. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The first chapter of the book of Acts declares, and you will be witnesses. didn't say you could be, you might be. You will be witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria and to the ends of the earth we committed ourselves to that less than six months later they put together the the verbiage of what this movement would become and my favorite line in the entire thing comes down to these words those people said we commit ourselves to the greatest evangelism the world has ever known why Because some, some, i got to tell you, those 300 people that were gathered there, there was not one millionaire in the crowd. There was not one earned doctorate in the crowd. There was nobody of any means. Most of them were unemployed preachers, as a matter of fact, because of what they had personally experienced in their life. But they knew that together they could do what no one person could ever do. And they penned these words, We commit ourselves to the greatest evangelism the world has ever known. Why does that bear repeating? Because it's the one job that he gave us. It's the one responsibility. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, Go and make disciples of all nations. Oh, today, let me point to something. I'm not here to be the the, the old Debbie Downer of the fact that, well, we're half a world behind in fulfilling that one responsibility. No, no, no. Those 300 people that committed themselves to the greatest evangelism, they now number more than 69 million people in 250-plus nations and territories around the world. There are now more than 355,000 Assemblies of God churches and preaching points, 3,500-plus missionaries that have committed themselves to the going and to the doing of what god has called us to do why is that because well somewhere along the line somebody understood we've got one job as a church and we better do it better than anybody else why well because we're so far behind and we still have so much to accomplish there's another group, they're, they're kind of the field goal kickers, I suppose, if you will, of the Assemblies of God. They're, they're the ones that trot on the field. They, they literally will go where nobody else has ever gone, not, not matter what anybody else has ever done. And today I celebrate the missionary heroes who have committed themselves to the task. Missionaries, quite frankly, that include Seth and Janae. Missionaries that are willing to sacrifice and do whatever it takes to make this thing happen. Time doesn't allow me today to go into all the details of my missionary heroes, but I can simply tell you, in today's world, it seems like that the youngest and brightest of our young, of our young people, that they're hearing the call of God, willing to go to places that we never imagined in days gone by it wasn't that long ago I stood on a platform right here in North Texas and there were several missionaries that were introduced that day one of whom was a young lady I'm guessing her to be 27 28 years old I apologize I did not get the name but I got to tell you something I can still see her face to this day. why because she stood there on a platform and shared how that God's call on her life was to spend her life in an unnamed Middle Eastern country and she would be living under the cover of a burqa simply to Be able to reach out to those that lived in the same bondage on that other side of the world and to be able to share the love of Jesus simply by saying hello and opening a conversation. The grandfather in me, if you will, wanted to reach over and say, Honey, you don't need to be doing that. But you know what? I would have been failing because that's a young lady that has determined if her life doesn't extend past age 30 or 40, she is committed to the one job, the reason that God placed her on this planet. Every ministry, every world vision that's ever been planted always started with someone understanding this is the call of God. This is the one job that he's given me to do. I'll never forget the day when a North Texas missionary, a veteran by the the name of George Flattery, walked into my office and began sharing a vision and began describing something called Network 21-1. He said, Tom, it'll be taking, (coughs) excuse me, the first century gospel, to the world with 21st century technology. He was nearing his 70th birthday at the time. And he's explaining, now this has been, uh, let's see, about 13 years ago, and I don't mind telling you, you're looking at one of the most ignorant people in the world when it comes to technology. Dr. George began describing, Tom, we'll build the websites. We'll use Google to place the ads online. People will go online looking for answers to life struggles and problems. People that are considering suicide, people that have marital problems, people that are dealing with loneliness. And he went on and on. And he said, there's going to be a place for them. And, and I believe that God wants to complete this in, in my lifetime. And a man who had done so many things and always been ahead of the curve in everything that he had done. And I'll, I'll never forget when he, he described all this, he called it online evangelism. In 2019, that seems old hat, but I got to tell you, even 13 years ago, I'm the guy that had to be dragged kicking into the 21st century. I'll never forget the first time that a friend lied to me. He said, Tom, you've got to try this new thing called email. How did he lie to me? He, made, he had the nerve to say, it will save you so much time. He lied to me. I spend hours a day delete, 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 delete. My idea of spam is something that ought to be in a frying pan with cheese on it. Phew. Hallelujah. Dr. Flattery, in the latter days of a lifetime of commitment to his one job, That dream came true, and today it's online 24-7, 14 different language editions, even what's called a warrior's journey, reaching out to our military around the world to be able to touch online. Do you think it could work? Well, let me tell you something. The one job has never become more impactful than it is today. I love the whole concept of global impact. That's what it's all about because that dream of a 70-year-old man, well, today, 13 years later, more than 35 million people have received a gospel presence presentation online many in nations that we couldn't get missionaries in there if we wanted to but thank god for those that have committed themselves to the doing of the one job to make time it could go on i wish i had time to tell you the fire bible story but but every missionary has their own story they don't need 30 seconds to be able to present to you the moment that they discovered god's one call that one job which leads us To the fact that every one of us in this room, we also have one job. Pastor John Piper put it this way he said, When it comes to the Great Commission, the Christian has three options you go, you send, or you disobey. I don't want to be in the disobedient list. The one job of those that are willing to go that have heard the voice of God. But I have one job. And that one job in my life happens to be a sender. I don't have time this morning to tell you. I, 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 I've been willing. For, I remember from my childhood. My, I remember that children's church teacher when Sister Foreman would tell the mission stories. I mean, I wanted to pack a bag and go even as an 8-year-old. There was something inside me. There, I just lacked one thing along the way, and that is the call of God. Maybe that's why I have such an esteem for those that are called of God and are willing to go. But I, I get to fall in the, well, quite frankly, it's the easiest part of this one job that the church has, and that is to be a sender. A few minutes, we'll ask everybody in the room to bow your heads and hear the voice of God and that still small voice. I love to quote Mary at this point at the marriage supper when Jesus had not really started his full time ministry at the point. And Mary, remember, she she spoke up and said, Well, he, and, and, and well, she turned to her son. He turned back to her and he said, I love this part. Woman, you read it for yourself. Jesus looked at his mother, woman, I've tempted a lot of ways in my life. I was never tempted to look at my mother and say, woman, it gets worse. What am I to do with you? If ever I'd said that to my mama, I wouldn't be standing before you today. My mother would have sent me into eternity, not caring about my destination. She never one time said, wait till your father comes home. She would take care of business and then say, wait till your father comes home. And I'd pray for a loss of memory. And God never answered that prayer. But I loved Mary's response. And this is what we're committed to, our one job today. Whatever he says to you, do it. One Tuesday night, I was in southern Mississippi. I had the responsibility of challenging students to set personal goals for speed the light. Never forget it. At the end of the message, I had a young man walk up to me, and he had a card in his hand. And I, am not putting it down. Please don't misunderstand this, but because I, I got a lot of friends in Mississippi, but this kid, he was really from Mississippi. I was praying for the translation, one of the things he was saying. He was so, it wasn't just because of his southern uh, dialectic. It was simply, he, he was so excited. I, I was catching every other word. Brother Tom, I got to tell you something. Tonight, I think tonight was the first time in my life that God ever talked to me. I said, man, what did he tell you? He said, he told me I could give $1,000 to missions this year. At that time, we were challenging students, saying every teenager could give at least $100. He said, you want to know how I'm going to do it? I said, I think you're going to tell me. 16 years old, he said, I've got this job. (laughs) No, he was discovering his one job. He said, I got this job. I make $100 a week. I pay my tithe. I wanted to stop right there. And take him across America because at 16, he had learned what too many adults have never figured out. The first 10% of my income belongs in my local church. The 1st That's called the tithe. I always told students when I was national director of Speed the Light, I would say, don't you dare give your tithe to Speed the Light. We don't want missionaries driving stolen vehicles. Our faith promise today does not come from our tithe. It's the opportunity to the tithe and the offerings. He said, Brother Tom, I pay my tithe $10 a week. I got to thinking about it. If I gave $20 a week for the next 50 weeks, that would be $1,000. I got excited. Why? I spent more than 30 years of my life primarily in youth ministries. I was so pumped. Not so much about the amount, but I was standing in the presence of an American teenager that could multiply. No calculator, no computer. Right there in his head. Then he got so excited. He said, you know what that means, Brother Tom? I said, what? He said, that means that I get to keep $70 a week just for me. I really wanted to take him. He's ready for crusade evangelism. Why is that? Because, well, many of us adults, we'd rather sit around and talk about how much it cost me to serve Jesus. That preacher's always asking for money. I get tired of preachers talking about money. Let me set your mind at ease. That's all this preacher's talking about as I close this message today. Why? Why? Because Paul asked three questions. How can they... Believe in him of whom they've not heard. He goes on in the 10th chapter of Romans, and he answers that question with this one. How can they hear without a preacher? That's my missionary heroes. The last question, how can they preach unless they're sent? Pastor, thank you. Thank you. The grace place is the most unselfish place in America. You said it well. It's not side inside these four walls. Grace Place impacts the entire world. Every missionary you support, every project you provide for, every time that you send someone out from this congregation, it's fulfilling the one job that Grace Place has, not only in Arlington, Texas, but across the great state of Texas and America and the entire world. Today we get to be a part of what God is doing. I shared my Mississippi friend's story in South Florida. Man walked up to me, long hair, beard, leather jacket. Remember, South Florida, leather jacket. This guy is tough. He said, I like that story about that boy gave it a $1,000. Preacher, I just got saved. You have no idea how much debt I brought to the table. When you told us to bow our heads, all I could talk about was, God, I don't have any money to give. I've got I've got so many bills to pay. And he said, and he brought to my mind pizza. What's that all about? He said, I realize that I take my family out for pizza every Friday night, and it cost us $20. Our family is going to start having rice every Friday night so we can give $20 a week. Most of us will not have to live at ourselves to rise. But it's always about, Jesus, what would you have me to do? My one job? I get to hear the voice of God and dream the dream. Be glad I'm not God. Why? Because my personal convictions, a long time ago I determined I am not going to give more to four wheels sitting in my driveway than I am to send the gospel around the world. That's my personal conviction. I'm asking you to simply do what Mary said, whatever he says to you. Jesus, thank you. What a blessing it is to be in your house again. God, as pastor, comes to lead us through the most sacred moments in the church. Lord, we celebrate Easter. We celebrate Christmas. It's so exciting as people fill the auditorium. But today, Lord, it's about filling heaven. Help us to hear that still, small voice. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening.